You're listening to A Strange Arrangement. Welcome back to the show where we've been inviting guest artists to rearrange old Lang Syne into something new. And our guests on the show have made really excellent arrangements of this song, many of them with multiple textures layered on top of each other. And it takes a lot of experimenting and a lot of patience, not just to write out each layer, but to put them on top of each other in a recording. If you're using live instruments, it can take a really long time. For example, our episode with the Gallup Brothers. Now that arrangement had many, many parts played by just two people. Now if you were to play that arrangement live, you would need to hire a small orchestra. But what if you don't have one? What if it's just you performing live? How can you make a full, many-layered song on just one instrument that usually plays one note at a time? And so I sat down with Laura Schwartz, who goes by the stage name Bellwether Bayou. She performs a solo act on violin and voice, using technology to build many layers of music to create a full, rich sound in her performance. And I not only got to talk with her in person for interview number two of the show, but I also had the privilege of recording a live performance of her arrangement to see just how she puts this arrangement together, piece by piece. So let's dig into that conversation on this last episode of Season 1 of A Strange Arrangement. My name is Laura Schwartz, and I play music primarily as Bellwether Bayou, which is a band name for my solo act. So it's still, it's just me, but Bellwether Bayou is what it is called. Um, And it is a solo looping violin folk act. Uh, So I try to make a lot of violin noise and create interesting sounds with lots of layers of looped violin and vocals. That's what I do. And I'm very happy to have you here. So thank you for coming all the way over to do this. Thanks for having me. Of course. You use a loop pedal as part of what you do. Yes. Uh, I imagine that most people listening to this will probably know what a loop pedal is already. But for those who don't, could you kind of describe it visually and then also like what it does and how you use it? To paint a picture, it is a small black rectangle, (laughs) rectangular cube. Uh, And I have the probably the simplest loop pedal out there, uh, which only the the purpose is to create live recorded sound that layers on top of itself. Uh, So the way it works is, you know, you tap on it, it starts recording. uh, And then when you tap it on again, it plays what you just recorded. And you can create more layers that layer on top of it. If you step on it twice, it stops. Uh, and if you step on it twice and holds, it erases what you've done so far. Uh, so that's how it works overall. So throughout the arrangement, you can hear this clicking sound. That's a loop pedal being stepped on in order to make the loops. Um, but it's an interesting tool that you can use to create layers of sound, um, especially as a one-woman band. It is, it is very helpful uh, for making a lot of noise by oneself. And you also have another pedal, which yes, I which I two thought toys. you did, but <laughs> like I couldn't uh, confirm it until I saw it. Yes, I also have an octave pedal, uh, which serves the purpose of creating sounds that are lower than a violin sound. Um, I play violin, and it is a lovely instrument, but it is sort of stuck in the treble 
section of sounds. And so the octave pedal allows allows me to bump it down uh, one or two octaves and create a more deep um, overall sound for the music. What were you trying to channel as you were rearranging this tune? Yeah, sure. So overall, uh, I wanted it to be like a fun, sort of peaceful country tune, sort of comfortable uh, sounding. And when I was when I was singing the melody to myself, it sounded like a Dolly Parton song. Uh, what's the song? I will always love you, the famous one, right? Uh, the cor- the the lyric goes, "If I should stay, well, I would only be in your way." And the similar version of of Auld Lang Syne sort of goes, "Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind?" And sort of that association stuck with me and sort of inhabited the rest of the discussion in my head when I was trying to decide how I wanted it to sound. Uh, I sent you a version in G. Yes. Yours is in C. This is correct. Is there a particular yeah. reason for that? There's a couple of reasons. I tried a bunch of different ones. There's, so there's a couple of reasons. First, uh, violins only have four strings. So playing chords on them, some chords just work better than others in terms of the fingerings. Um, so that's one reason. So G... G worked, but some of the later chords in the structure were more challenging. So switching it to C, G, A minor, F, C is really easy to play on violin. That's one reason. The second reason is that I, it bumped the voice into a higher register um, in, the, in the melody. So it allowed me to have the high parts be sort of dramatic in a way that I liked, uh, kind of belty and, and high and sort of urgent uh, in a way that especially the sort of chorus of the song felt right to me. I noticed that you arrange the chords in a different order yes. as well. You're still using the same relations, but putting it in like a kind of a, a four chord repeating pattern, yes. which is which is not an unusual pattern, but different like, than the is original. Different from, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so part of that is the reality is of working with a loop pedal, right? So while I could have done the full eight chord structure of the original and repeated that it's a very long loop to set uh and live with for the rest of the song when you're doing it live mm-hmm. so a four chord structure is easier to uh add loops more quickly and make a song more dynamic uh, most of in my in my writing most of my songs are more like two measure loops uh much faster mm-hmm. um so doing a whole chord structure on a loop introduces more opportunities for for live failure uh, <laughs> for challenges uh, and it makes the song slower to construct over time when you add loops each one has to be double the length in an eight chord structure so I thought oh, I'll figure out a way to smush this together and make it into four um, and I think it works it definitely changes the way the melody lies over the chords in different parts of the melody but it's fine I think it works great it still sounds very much like the song and yeah, it sort of has a different urgency at the end of the chord structure, but yeah, it works. And with with all of the layers that you're adding onto it, I'm sure, like doubling the length of that chord progression, like makes it. It would just harder. make it really long. Yeah, like it would be almost double the length of the overall song, which would be not a catchy country little tune. Right. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you're, what are you considering when you're? putting these loops on top of each other do you are you thinking about 
groups or voices or anything how, like how do you know when you've made enough loops when you need to add more loops yeah good question so let me first talk a little bit about how i structured the overall song because mm-hmm. um, that sort of influenced which loops went where so i wanted the song to be a full song uh, and not just sort of a verse and a chorus of a longer song so it has an intro section that sets up loops it has a verse it has a sort of interlude before the chorus, a chorus, then another interlude, and then a reprise of the chorus. Um, and that's a very bluegrass country song structure in general. So that being said, I wanted to create sort of slightly different feelings for each of those three sections, verse, first chorus, and reprise of chorus. And so that informed what came before it. So first I had the sort of introductory loops set in the chords. The second loop, uh, admittedly fixing whatever mistakes I made in the first loop with the chords. (laughs) Uh, And then setting the bass line uh, in a sort of jaunty double bass feel. Uh, Then you have the first verse that plays over that or sings over that. Then the before the chorus adds sort of a little bit more depth. I have the sort of swampy uh, chords from the violin playing um, sort of a, a swampy feel to give it more depth. And then just a hint of a little violin solo before the chorus comes in. Uh, then I have a chorus. And then after that, I wanted to add something that was like a solo, but a loop uh, added to the mix. And so I have a melodic line. Uh, that I sort of play. It's sort of like a counter melody. It goes down where the original melody of the song goes up um, and do that in two, uh, one one melody and one harmony below it, uh, creating a sort of urgency, um, sort of an added layer before the final chorus or the reprise of the chorus. And it makes the last chorus like really dramatic and loud and exciting to me. Um, and so that's how I thought of each of those layers of loops, um, and making it really loud at the end allowed me to have a surprise stop in the chords right at the end. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something I like to do in my music a lot is to surprise the listener and say, oh, this is new. Um, (laughs) and so that's what I wanted to do at the very end to make, sort of change it up and, you know, have the song end. Cause when you're playing with a loop, you have to decide how it's going to end suppose you could fade it out but that's kind of a cop out in this scenario so right. um so yeah making it really really loud is a good way of having a surprise stop how do you know when to end because it yeah cause I, I could you could go forever i could listen to those loops <laughs> for a long time it, it reminds me of like steve reich music or mm-hmm. terry riley where sure. it's like a, it's an hour of layers that yeah. subtly change for a while yeah. and like i could like sit and study in that and be very content and happy one could <laughs> <laughs> but i think that would get behind get away from the intent of making it like i wanted it to feel like a nice neat package mm. uh so i i didn't you know I, you're right that i could have done like another violin solo at the end over maybe four rounds of the chords and then ended it with another reprise chorus um but i wanted it to be a, a delicate package of a song and that so that felt to me like it should not linger too long in any one of the steps and really progress forward throughout um that's just not how it felt to me i did try a lot of different types of loops that did not work well <laughs> so really? like add, trying to add certain things 
uh, after I had the basic sort of chord structure and the bass line. Um, for example, a lot of times I play um, like plucked things over the loops mm -hmm. um, after I set the original chords to create more sort of percussive sound throughout. Sounded really bad in this chord structure and with this like sort of orchestration that had set, it created a frantic energy, mm. uh, especially when I did sort of offbeat or syncopated stuff. Really didn't feel right for the overall feel of the song. So instead, I lended towards sort of filler, violin, fiddle type lines, uh, and then melodic movement lines that worked really well. I guess one thing we haven't talked about is like the strumming pattern uh, of the song. That's another sort of thing that I sometimes struggle with as a violinist, being the only person in my quote unquote band, uh, is that it's, it can be difficult to do certain types of strumming patterns. Um, you know, I can't do anything too um, dramatically fast or anything like it, the the upstroke up percussion part of it, it gets kind of cloudy and the sound just doesn't work very well in violin. So downstrokes work really nicely. So the way I dealt with that in order to make it sort of still have that sort of country slow guitar feel was to separate out the strumming pattern. So for example, for the C chord, it's like bum, bum, bum. Like it has the first two notes of the chord played alone and then the full strum right after. Um, and that's sort of something I tried to do in different ways throughout the chord structure to keep it interesting but also make it sound nice. And now here's the whole arrangement performed live by Bellwether Bayou.
Thank you to Bellwether Bayou for this lovely performance. Definitely go check out her work. Um, but in terms of where one can find my music, right now uh, you can find it on Bandcamp under Bellwether Bayou. Uh, and notably, there's no A in Bellwether, which is challenging for everyone to write because we all write the word weather a lot more than we write the word bellwether. So bellwether bayou, <laughs> no A in bellwether. Um, and it's on, uh, I have a live uh, album on or EP on Bandcamp that people can listen to. And thank you very much for coming in yeah, to do this. This is a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Awesome. It's been quite a journey making this show, talking to a lot of different musicians about the different ways to take an old song and make something new. The many different tools and techniques you can use to rearrange music in ways big and small. Taking care with the bass motion, the voice leaving, the style, choosing the instruments carefully, and, most importantly, thinking about what sounds good to you. Because ultimately, it is the joy that your sounds bring to you after you've lined them up all nice and neat. That truly matters. My hope for this show, more than anything, is not that you've memorized a set of tools to adhere to in your own music making, but rather that you see the different ways we can make music, that there are so many techniques that do work, and that there's not one best system. And I hope you experiment with these things, and play around with your notes and your instruments, and find what you like, and find what you don't. Find what is meaningful to you, what sounds good to you. Because more important than the notes on the paper is what you feel from the sounds those notes make and which ones are the most memorable for you. That's what matters most of all. And that's why when people have been asking me, what's your favorite arrangement of Old Lang Syne? I tell them, the one I sang with my family this past New Year's at two in the morning while lighting sparklers sticking out of a hat made of tinfoil on my uncle's head. I'm not done with this show. There's still so much to learn. But I'm ready to move on from Old Lang Syne and see what people can do with other songs. So, we're going to find some more tunes, gather some more guests, and prepare for Season 2, coming this summer. I look forward to sharing that with you. A Strange Arrangement was produced by me, Rob McCarthy. I edit and mix the show, and I wrote the theme music. Special thanks to all of our guests this season. Mike Lachance, Kim Chin-Gibbons, Fabiola Mendez, Joint Venture Percussion Duo, Priyanka Akilan, Andrew Briner, 8-Bit Music Theory, The Golub Brothers, Earl Cutter, James Fernando, and Bellwether Bayou. Without you, I wouldn't have a show. Our artwork was done by Daniel Joel Newman, and you can find more of his work at danieljoelnewman.com. Special thanks to Elizabeth Stahl for notes and for the voice that you hear at the top of each show. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you this summer. <laughs> <laughs>